What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Celtics Collective Podcast, brought to you by Heavy on Celtics and Heavy Sports. My name's Adam Taylor, and I'm joined by our resident insider, Mr. Sean Devaney. What's going on, Sean? Hi, Adam. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. So I've got some stuff I want to talk to you about, but before I do that, I'd be doing us and our guest a disservice if I didn't do that introduction first. So I'm going to dive into that first. In this episode, <clears throat> excuse me, and we're just recording the intro, like you, we're going to transition in a moment over to the full interview. We're joined by Hall of Fame big man, former Boston Celtics center, Dino Raja. Throughout the interview, we speak about how he arrived in Boston when he played against Larry Bird before joining Boston, playing with Robert Parrish, Dominique Wilkins, Xavier McDaniels, McDaniels, sorry, playing against Shaq, playing, man, I mean, playing against Shaq. You know how happened? You know, you know how jealous I am. The guy got to play against Shaq. He even got to play against Jordan. Let's okay. We we're going to be. It's not fair if we don't mention. He also played against Jordan, Carl yeah. Malone, and he found out Rick Pitino couldn't be trusted. That's a nice little golden nugget right there. Got his thoughts on the modern NBA. There's so much that Dino, with all the experiences he had from playing over in Europe, um, then going into the NBA before going back to Europe to help build like this dynasty and finish his career to moving into the coaching world where he was an assistant coach with the Croatian team during Eurobasket. So much information. And it was just a really awesome interview that I thoroughly enjoyed. And I didn't grow up watching him play. So, Sean, I know that for you, that was another guy coming straight off the back of the Kenny Anderson interview where you were getting to speak to some guys you kind of grew up idolizing a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and boy, yeah, you're right. He was great to talk to. I mean, he loves talking basketball and, and uh, you know, thoughtful and insightful on his answers. I was really, uh, uh, it was a lot of fun to talk to him. But yeah, you know, I mean, I always thought he got a raw deal uh, in the NBA. He was only in the NBA four years with the Celtics. Uh, wind up hurting his knee and then goes back to Europe. Uh, but, uh, you know, if he if he had been with the better team, you know, the Celtics at that point were at really the low point of the franchise, uh, you know, right, right then. So um, it was a tough time for him to be there. Uh, you know, he kind of came into the NBA with his best friend, Tony Kukoc, who winds up playing with Jordan in Chicago. And I always thought if Dino Raja had wound up in Chicago and Tony Kukoc had been in Boston, probably would have been the same thing where Dino Raja would have been thought of a certain way like Kukoc and Kukoc would have been thought of like, like Dino Raja. So some of that was just, uh, just bad luck on his part. Yeah, two incredibly talented players. And obviously winning creates a narrative. Winning creates legacy. There are some players out there that are exceptional role players that create a legacy of being part of winning organizations, right? And unfortunately for Dino, that was Kukoc's role of being this exceptional role player on a very winning organization at that period in time, whereas Dino was struggling to help Boston win. And that ties us in nicely because right now you're out in sunny San Francisco going attending some Golden State Warriors practices. And if we want to talk about role players that have been part of winning cause and created their own legacy and they're going to be thought of as a champion throughout the rest of basketball like basketball historian time then draymond green is that is the pinnacle of that right like one of the best role players slotting guys completely available but for anyone that follows the nba even semi closely quasi closely you know that this weekend has not been the best for him or for the Warriors franchise. You're on the ground, so what's going on over there, Sean? 
Yeah, you know, I, I, I didn't plan it this way. You know, I planned a, uh, a regular trip to talk to some of the Warriors and see some of my friends out here uh, uh, with, with, with the Warriors organization. And, um, you know, then, uh, of course, you know, last Wednesday, the, the punch happens. And then Friday, uh, you know, it kind of gets magnified because there's video. Oh, my gosh, there's video. I mean, anytime there's video, it's going to take a story and amp it up that much more. And that's certainly what's happened here. Um, you know, uh, the organization, this this team is very good about getting everybody on the same page. Uh, Draymond had a, a, what I thought was a pretty sincere uh, apology on Saturday. Uh, and, you know, since then, uh, he's been away from the team, so it's not something where uh, where we've been able to talk to him. Jordan Poole hasn't spoken yet either. Um, you know, hopefully after tonight's game, uh, he will. Uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, they, they really, the, the the Warriors are, are are completely all on the same page on this and trying to put it behind them. Uh, I suspect they will. It's just a, it's an interesting contrast uh, uh, or, or, or or similarity between what the Celtics have had to deal with with the Imiadoka stuff uh, and what the you know these are the two teams that were in the NBA Finals uh, and you know we haven't started the season yet and they've already had these two pretty enormous controversies. I mean, by, by NBA standards, both of these, um, you know, are, are, are things we'll remember in five, 10 years. Well, they say the NBA is a 24 seven soap opera that never sleeps and it hasn't disappointed recently. Uh, and obviously that's not always a great thing. What happened between Draymond and Paul, in my opinion, should have been kept in house, but it should have definitely been dealt with, with a stronger disciplinary action than what Golden State were probably trying to implement before the footage leaks obviously now they're going to be held a lot more accountable in how they approach that Draymond has since come out saying he's going to take some time away from the organization and we all know everything that we need to know about the Doka situation and it's not like these are the only two teams that have been dealing with off-court issues you know Charlotte Hornets have got their fair share of some really deplorable stuff happening with some of their players well one of their players um, there's been other stuff happening around the league where there's definitely some issues everywhere. But you are right. The two teams that make it to the NBA Finals both have these huge controversies controversies before the new season begins. And it does make you wonder, can either of them overcome this early stumbling block to get back to an NBA Finals? And we're going to find out. But for now, it's just very interesting to follow along. I'm sure there's going to be some more twists and turns in both scenarios for Boston and for Golden State. And until then, I think we should give everybody some Dino Raja. What do you think, Sean? Let's do it. So, uh, I'll, I'll kick it off because I know Sean's going to have some really in-depth questions. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna start it off with an easy one. You go to Boston, and they say that once you play in Boston and you're a Celtics player, then you're a Celtics fan. So when you came over to Boston, was you a Celtics fan for the four years you were with the team, and are you still a fan with them now? Okay, so um, there is a saying that uh, goes like, uh, once a Celtic, always a Celtic. And I heard that many years ago, and uh, I, can, I can truly tell you that that's completely true. Because uh, once you play for that organization, you really uh, feel like a Celtic forever. So I, I, whenever I go to Boston and I do, besides this uh, Corona um, years where we all weren't able to travel, whenever I, I land in Boston, I have a smile on my face. And that's not something that you can you know, invent. That's something that happens, um, and I, I really love the city. I had a great time over there, and I love people. I love my 
teammates and the people who worked for the team back then and um, have really, really great memories of the city of Boston. Who, who are some of the people that over the years you've kept in touch with from those days? I am still in touch with Jen Volk, with their ex-GM. I'm in touch with Jeff Twist, who still works over there for the, for the Celtics. I'm in touch with Carolyn Hughes, and uh, she was a secretary over there. She helped me a lot uh, when I was, you know, young kid uh, about, you know, my housing and everything. And um, uh, I'm in touch with uh, with many other other people, uh, the Wayne, uh, with Arnie, with the doctor, with Eddie. Uh, yeah. Whenever I go to Boston, I always organize uh, like a lunch or dinner. And then try to to gather as many as many as I can uh, for that day. Now, do, do you remember? We can go uh, way back in your memory here. Uh, Nineteen eighty-eight. I think that's the first time you you went up against the Celtics. Is that right? A, a, an exhibition in Madrid. Yes, yes, yes. But back then, I still didn't have a contact with them uh, about me coming there. Uh, my First contact was later because that that game was uh, was I think um, before the game uh, game that they 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 saw me and they they approached me was uh, qualifications for the um, Olympic Games in Seoul uh, we play in Holland and uh, John approached me saying like do you want to come play for us and I was like yeah <laughs> like you want to take me <laughs> and was was Casey Jones there too yes 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 he was assist, assistant coach many yeah. great many great people uh, you know I, I I really you know I like talking about Boston I have to say you know um, I was really blessed in some moments you know i was i was able to sit with uh, red arbach and uh, watching a practice with him and, and uh, i was uh, you know i uh, i was very good friend with with the late tommy Hanson and and uh, you know i met so many great celtic personalities you know larry and, and kevin i played with chief one year and um, I know, you know, many, many of them, you know, Danny Ainge, it's, uh, it's really, you know, you know, when you, when you uh, play basketball, you, I, I, I don't think there is any person in the world who played basketball uh, that uh, never heard of Halicek stole the ball, Halicek stole the ball. <laughs> you, you imagine when I uh, was about to step on the court where Halicek stole the ball, you know how big that that is in my in my career in my life. You know, to be on the same floor where where that happened. You know, back then you had uh, Celtics and Lakers and the, the the most famous you know franchises in the world. Not only not only in basketball, like in every every sports, everybody was talking about uh, rivalry about Magic and Bird and Magic and Bird and Bird and Magic and you know how how many years they play against each other. And all of a sudden, you are about to be in that organization and then uh, uh, feel it and play through it. And, uh, you know, even even if we didn't have a great success 
because of many reasons. Uh, maybe we can talk about it later, but still, you know, playing for the Celtics was always something special for me and uh, something that uh, I will always feel like my home. And um, I, I always, you know, have a goosebumps when I think about Boston. But, but how much were you able to kind of follow the NBA, follow the Celtics and the Lakers and what was going on as you're growing up in Croatia in the in the 80s? It was very hard, you know, because uh, no internet like today, no satellites like today. Television was very, very, you know, uh, very limited. You know, we had only like a couple of channels in here in Croatia. So... It was very hard to, to go through some, you know, Italian channels, uh, maybe, you know, late at night. And when you have practice at uh, nine in the morning, it's very hard to see a game that starts at, at, at one or two in the morning. So we, we saw some, you know, some tapes and, uh, you know, you were, we were able to read stuff in uh, newspapers. But still, it was like a myth, you know, like uh, like uh, we are talking about Martians today, like <laughs> NLOs. And, uh, really, it was like that. Uh, you know, you know that they exist, but you never see them really you know, up, up live and personal. So it was, uh, you know, unbelievable experience for me, you know, uh, from the day one when I landed in Boston, when... Uh, when many, many journalists were waiting for me and uh, the, the hotel that I've been to uh, is probably the best hotel I've ever been to, uh, you know, the Copley Westin and uh, uh, all that uh, happening around me was something, something really unbelievable. So before you come over to Boston or before you sign with the Celtics, you're in your early 20s, 21, 2021. You go to the McDonald's exhibition tournament and you come up against the Celtics, most notably Larry Bird. Was that the first time you'd ever seen him play? Like he, I mean, he had 21 points on you. So was this your first experience of the Boston Celtics team as a whole? Probably, yes. Probably, yes. Probably the, was the first time that I, uh, that I saw him, you know, even, even on, a, on a picture, uh, you mean the video, even on the video, because before that, uh, we basically only saw pictures in newspapers and then articles in newspapers. But uh, uh, back then, and I don't know when are you born, but back then it was nothing. nothing. Well, I, I, I had the same struggles growing up. So I was, uh, I'm 34, so I grew up in the 90s. Same issues, no internet, no TV, very, very difficult. Yeah. And so coming over and playing a team, that you hear so much about, you hear there's a rivalry, you hear that Larry Bird is one of the best players on, on planet Earth. And now all of a sudden you're facing Larry Bird and this really famous team. What was that like as an experience, just getting on the court and seeing? It? We thought they are from an, another planet. So, you know, you, you, you don't think they're like from Earth. You, you feel like they're going to eat you alive and then... <laughs> No, really, you are laughing now, but I really we had the we had a feeling that uh, that they are not from. I mean, that's how how everybody put it in the perspective, you know, through the newspapers, through through articles, like uh, they are something that uh, you can never be. You you can only you know dream of, and uh, 
um, it was, uh, you know, you, you don't even think about going there and like winning the game or, or even coming clo close to them. You don't have to touch them because if you anger them, then then you're you're screwed, you know. <laughs> but the next year, I did. I think the I think if I have it right, that that Yugoslavian team. I think you you played the Nuggets the next year and almost beat them, right? Yes, yes, and that uh, that was already you know our second our second appointment with NBA team, and then and then uh, we um, kind of had a feeling that we can compete, and that 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 that's easy, you know, easy. We started you know to believe uh, that we can make it, and uh, you know with this experience, you know, this McDonald's opens. Um, this experience playing with them, uh, where where we figure out, oh, they are not uh, as as um, there is not as big difference as we thought. Maybe we They're can. Not much. <laughs> we can, yeah. We they are you know human beings, and we can compete them. But you know, we we have to work much more. But still, you know, we we will be able to compete with them and. Uh, and you know, slowly, slowly. I think. Uh, I mean, it was years. I, first time I really felt like I belonged there was '92 when we played the Dream Team. Then, then I felt uh, like, yeah, I can, I can make it over there. Yeah, that was the that was your silver medal medal year. Um, you know that 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 group of players that that you were with 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 Vlade and and Drazen Petrovic and. Uh, of course, Tony Kukoc, uh, your good friend, uh, and some of the Lithuanian guys, Sabonis, uh, uh, Marshallunas, guys like that. Um, you guys really paved the way, I think, for for what would become international basketball in the uh, for the influence that international basketball would have in the NBA. Like a lot of people now, maybe think it starts with Dirk Nowitzki, you know. Uh, but um, you know what? Do, do you feel that group maybe doesn't get as enough credit for what you had to go through just to get to the NBA, and then the impact that you had once you were here? Oh, definitely not. Definitely, we're not getting the credit because uh, um, you know when when I came to the NBA, I was given the bag with dirty jerseys to to wear to to take with me and then bring it to the laundry or wherever to the bus or to the hotel or wherever I had to. So you had to carry the jerseys. Yeah, and you were uh, like a rookie, like anybody else. Yeah, and when wow. Luka Doncic came to Dallas, they gave him the keys of the city. So <laughs> different, different approach. <laughs> that that's crazy. That that you know you were this this. Uh, because you had been in Italy and you were a big star in Italy, you were a big star with Hugo Plastica before that, and you come to the Celtics and they make you carry the dirty laundry. Oh yeah, you have to start from from zero, definitely. <laughs> so Sean just mentioned Hugo Plastica, and that was the team that you like. You really struggled to get from them to Boston, right? So you sign an initial contract with the Celtics, and then. Hugo Plastica kind of fight you on that, force you to return or ask or make it difficult for you to go to Boston. How was that trying to clear those hurdles just to get into the NBA after a initially signing a deal? You know, I was I was lucky. I had a great, uh, great agent and uh, he deal with that stuff. And uh, I think agents are very important because uh, you don't get uh, into the conflict, you know, with the with uh, with your team and uh, he does that he's the bad guy 
So um, he did everything. He negotiated with them, and and uh, you know when I when I left um, for Boston, uh, and I wanted to stay there, and then they they didn't allow me. They wanted me to come back, and I did have a contract, so I had to come back. Um, but before I came back, uh, they made a deal. They're gonna let me after after uh, following season. So. It was a deal done, so I, uh, I, I I went back, and um, you know instead of instead of having you know you know uh, bad season, I had the best season in my in my life, and uh, um, uh, everything developed later on the way that that you guys know already. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, when when you were drafted by the Celtics, so and then you you signed that contract in '89 before you eventually have to uh, come back later. I mean, you it looked like you were going to join a team with Larry Bird and Kevin McHale, uh, Chief. You mentioned uh, Reggie Lewis. We all know what happened with him. Rest in peace. Um, but um, you know, was it a little disappointing to you get there and it's it it's just it's just Robert Parrish, like everybody else has 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 retired. You know. Uh... I really had some bad luck, you know. I have to say that uh, now, now after all these years, and uh, you know, Reggie died just like a, uh, like a month or something uh, before I I got there, and uh, you know, the team that was supposed to to fight for the title for the playoffs and uh, play an important role, all of a sudden. Um, was fighting for the for the life. So um, that's something that uh, the NBA is different from, from Europe because you have the salary cap and you have the uh, the draft. Uh, so it's pretty hard to to um, you know overcome a loss like that. And um, imagine if something, God, God forbid, happened to one of the main teams today. Remember what happened to the Golden State when Steph Curry uh, yeah. got hurt. What happened to the Lakers when uh, when uh, um, LeBron James got hurt? So uh, that happened to us, and we had to go through that uh, for for all my four years. You know, we are fighting for for the playoffs. But you know, uh, it was a great experience for me, and uh, I had uh, opportunity to play with Chief for one year, uh, with uh, Dominique Wilkins for one year. I played with uh, D. Brown four years. I played with Rick Fox four years, and it was great experience for me. Really, I mean, I would I would never change that. So you Chief, oh, go ahead, Sean. Uh, I was going to just follow up about Chief because he's got sort of a, a reputation as being this tough guy who, you know, doesn't talk. He's got the same face all the time. Uh, but, you know, people who know him say he's actually much different. What was your experience with him? Like? No, he's completely different. You know, when he steps on, on, on the on the floor, he is the Chief that you all know. But when he steps off the floor, I mean, he's a completely different person. He's a very funny guy. Very, very much, you know, um, a locker room um, chief, and 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 you know, chief in command. He was really, you know, laughing and joking and uh, kidding with the with the rookies, and uh, you know, making fun of us. And 
you know, he he wouldn't practice a lot. Uh, he was, you know, 40 years old and he wouldn't practice a lot. So he would be there, you know, do his stretchings and his warm-ups. And then we, we would run some drills and he would stay there and, you know, cheer, <laughs> cheer, make fun of us. And uh, uh, <laughs> great guy, really. Moving on to, so you... You finally make your move over. You play your final season with Hugo Plastica. You move over to Boston. Having been in Europe for pretty much, well, for your whole life up to that point, what was the adjustments you had to deal with, like the, the cultural changes, the time differences, not being around family? Like, How did you, what were those adjustments like? You know, um, I, uh, from, from, uh, from the split, I, I went to, um to italy for three years and i i think as as uh, as much as i think that maybe i st overstayed there maybe a year i think that was really helpful to me because first time you know i left my home i left my parents um i went living alone and i entered the professional world where where you are uh, pretty much paid uh, a lot of money and you have to, you know, you have some responsibilities. You have to start playing um, uh, good all the time. And uh, as, as a foreigner, a lot of burden is on you. So I think that helped me a lot, really, in my, in my growth um, and, and my, my, you know, uh, myself adapting uh, pretty quick um, in the NBA. Is it is it true that you didn't go out much and 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 uh, I was told that you actually in the nineties you actually had a phone like you had a cell phone way before everybody else and on the bus you would talk to you would call home uh, after games and during after practice and stuff is that true? Yeah, yeah, I never go out. You know, if you give me hundred millions and and ask me, okay, I give you hundred millions, you tell me the name of one bar nightclub discotheque or something like that in boston and rome i cannot take your money <laughs> wow no, really really, really professional I, I i it was you know practicing playing eating sleeping that's it nothing else I, of course i went to the movies i went to to the restaurants but you know i was home by by midnight every day yeah, every, yeah. Every day. not a one single night that i went out never never yeah did you did you call home a lot were you on the phone home a lot i uh i was i, I had like ten thousand us bill every month holy cow oh yes <laughs> yeah did you have one of those giant cell phones is that what it was like it was like as big as a shoe <laughs> <laughs> back then they were really really big and they were like uh, expensive <laughs> actually you know when i came to boston uh, uh this motorola flip flip phone just came out but the thick one with, with this big 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 battery had like like four pounds <laughs> but you know it was modern one and uh, you know the smallest one yet that's good that's a lot of money on phone bills. That's almost half a million dollars while you're in Boston. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, a lot. Not, not, not. It was not like that all the time. But, right, right. But you See, know, in the in the beginning. So while you're in Boston, you got to play with 
and against some really, really, really good players, some of the best players to ever play. And we've got a list here we want to get your thoughts on. And I'm going to jump the first two because I feel like we spoke about them quite quite a bunch. And I'm just going to go to one of my favourite players from that era. So you got to play against Shaq, and it was Orlando Magic Shaq, like Shaq Shaq. What was that like? What was it like coming up against Shaq? <laughs> like, I don't know how else to ask this question because that must be intimidating. He's, he's definitely uh, one of the best players in the history of the game. You know, um, I, I I love playing against him as much as as, as, as as hard that was because, you know, you cannot uh, push him. It's like you're pushing the wall all the time. And uh, after the game, you feel like you, you were playing the game and you went to the weight room in the same time. <laughs> and uh, um, but you know he's the best of the best, and it's it's fun to see how how good you measure against him. And uh, you know he was a fair player. He was never a dirty player. He was never you know using elbows, hitting. You know, of course he dunks on you, and then he you look funny. But still, um, he's a fair and square guy using his uh, his power, and he, but you know never in a dirty way. The same thing I can tell you about, for example, Dennis Rodman. Everybody think of him not really great. And um, on the other hand, uh, I never, I never felt anything unfair uh, playing against him. He was always, you know, playing hard, scratching and scrambling, and and you know, uh, after the game, you your 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 arms were scratched like you were, uh, you know, fighting with a cat, but. Uh, <laughs> He was fair, fair and square guy, you know. I think I think one of the guys that you've talked about as maybe not being fair is Carl Malone. What uh, what were some of the things that he would do that you thought, no, nah, that's not right? And were there other players like that that you did not like playing against? He was hitting hard and he was let go because you know his name. Uh, you know the refs didn't. You know you're a rookie or uh, or a young guy in NBA and foreigner and he was using his uh, status definitely, you know, to beat you up. <laughs> Were there other guys like it's, that? It's a school, it's a valuable school, you know, I, mm -hmm. I, I really appreciate that schooling, you know, because, uh, you know, when you play against the best, uh, you're learning faster than, uh, than uh, others. I think I think in your time in Boston too, there were there were maybe some guys who weren't as professional uh, as uh, as as maybe you're used to playing with, but two guys who definitely were, I think, were Dominique Wilkins and Xavier McDaniel. What do you what do you remember about playing with those guys? Oh, I I, I remember like uh, X X Men. I, I play I play with X Men the first year. And uh, we were on a camp, and uh, we were uh, having some injuries. And only like 10, 11 guys were available for every practice. And uh, he beat the crap out of me every day, every day. And he was in my face all the time, you know, because we were, you know, playing the same same position, more or less, and then uh, competing against each other. So he was in my ass all, all day long. And I remember, uh, you know, uh, first preseason game we were playing, and I got the ball on a on a on a high post, and I was expecting, you know, X Men to come in my face, <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, nobody's coming, and you know, I see like the guys like six feet away from me or five feet. I said, 
what's happening. I can shoot. Or I shoot. And, uh, you know, I, I think that he, he, especially him, he helped me a lot that, that first year uh with with his uh with his uh, uh you know practice approach and 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 100 all the time he definitely helped me a lot and and uh, I, I i hate that i lost the contact with him uh, um uh, i don't know where is he i haven't talked to him for uh, for uh, you know 25 years but you know he was the guy that really really you know helped me by by showing how you should practice and uh, and other hand dominique uh, was another kind he was uh, you know this fine player who could uh, jump through the roof and uh, he was one of the you know nba legends and to be able to share the the, the locker room and the floor with him for a year that uh, was also an amazing you know experience for me and uh, such a leader and uh, and great guy also i'm i am in contact with him you know i i see him here and there uh, when i go to the states oh, and cool. he's a friend so i'm a bit jealous that you can call some of these guys friends and now i'm going to see whether how jealous i'm going to be so it appears that myself and you, and I'm assuming Sean, I'm hoping Sean as well is on board here, rate Michael Jordan as the greatest player of all time. Definitely. You got to play against Michael. You played against the Dream Team. One of your best friends in Ku Coach was, you know, one of Jordan's close, close, um, like, friend. running mates. Yep. Yeah, friend. Uh, how is that? Like, why do you see Jordan as the best player of all time and what was it like knowing that one of your friends had developed such a relationship with him did you did you see his uh his uh you know serial that came out oh yeah 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 he's definitely he's definitely you know the basketball freak and uh that 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 uh, those uh, 10 series explain uh, just about everything but if you if you like you know the crowd and the fans look at certain things from the stands, and uh, I look at things from different perspective, you know, because I'm a player, I I used to do things like him on different level, and um, I can understand him better. But but you know, watching this this uh, uh, serial about him. Uh, couple of things um, came came to my you know to my attention like uh, he say in one thing in, in one sentence like yes I was uh, I was really uh, bad to my teammates sometimes but I never asked them to do something that I didn't uh, that I didn't do first and that's what the leader does he he, he 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 do things by example you know he does it first and then he asks you to do it and uh, he knows after uh, some time who he can go into the war with and uh, who is not you know capable of following him mm. and then you see the the practice uh, when when he came back from the baseball you see the first practice when they're running the suicide and you see him first. He's the first uh, running the suicide. He's leading his team, and 
you know he's showing his leadership by by example and that's 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 why i um, I, I believe that he's the best uh, player ever and he's just such a unique unique mind and uh, uh, i would love to be able to play with him uh, but uh, that's that's just you know mentality that that's very 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 rare were you able to keep in touch with Tony much during that time? Uh, you know, did you kind of know what was going on with them? And was it hard, you know, that that you, you mentioned bad luck, and I think that's a big part of it, that, you know, you're here with the team that's really struggling, uh, and you see your best friend going, and he's playing with Michael Jordan, and, and, and you know, going to the finals every year. You know, he's one of my best friends. Uh, you know, we grew up together, and I was very happy for him. I never uh, look at it that way, you know, I was uh, really cheering that uh, Chicago wins if I can't. Of course, when we play them, we always wanted to beat them, but uh, whenever he was playing something, I always wanted him to play well and and then, then to win. And even when I left NBA, I was following him wherever he goes and, you know, cheering for him. That's just something that, you know, friends do. And um, he was lucky, yes, but you know I would uh, not be fair and say that my you know destiny was bad. Or uh, I had a great time in NBA. I really uh, I was able to measure myself in the higher scale in the earth of basketball and uh, to see how good I am, uh, how much I fit over there. And uh, I'm really happy with the, with the outcome. I was, you know, part of that generation that was, you know, as you, as you guys said before, you know, pioneers of uh, uh, out of America and basketball players uh, coming over there and succeed with, you know, with Rajan, with Tony, with Divas, with Sabonis, Marcellonis. I think these like five guys were were uh, real pioneers uh, um, in the NBA, and uh, I'm really proud of that group of people. I'm proud of, of myself also to be part of that, and I know how how hard that was, and how much we had to do more than than you know drafty guys from the from the college to get some credit over there and uh, you know I'm really proud to be part of that group of, of, of people. Yeah and it wasn't it was also politics right I mean there's still uh, the, the Soviet Union there were there were a lot of things that a lot of you guys had to go through just to get you know into contact with NBA teams and get get to the United States. Different times. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> That last year uh, with the Celtics was obviously tough. I, I, I was in Boston. I remember uh, there was an incident in, in training camp. Do you remember the, the Darren Day and you guys had a scuffle and people made a big deal? Was that a big deal? And did that kind of say to you, like, this might be a tough year. This might not be great this year. No, I don't think that was the reason. You know, that year uh, I got I got I got hurt, you know, my my uh, myself playing the NBA and then the national team and then the NBA and then the national team without the proper rest. Uh, I think that that uh, I, I paid the toll to that. I got a problem with my knee. Uh, had had surgery in uh, 
just uh, like after the New Year's, haven't played uh, uh, since then. So I think that also hurt hurt uh, our our chances. Um, but you know, uh, you know, NBA as 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 it is, um, if you if you if you lose guys with injuries, it's it's always the team is always gonna suffer because. It, you cannot do the trade after a certain certain date. Uh, you cannot just go around and look for the player he's, uh, who is good enough in in Europe or or elsewhere uh, to to sub in your team for the injured guy. So these things uh, very often take toll on a team, and uh, that that's that's what happened to us. You know the the death of Reggie. And you, if you remember, you know, a couple of years earlier, it was also death of Len Bias. Bias, yes. I think that that's another thing that um, that ruined Celtics uh, um, on the long run. Yeah, and, and Rick Pitino came in, and and he seemed, and and I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but he seemed to like he wanted to get rid of you first. Like that seemed to be uh, his first job. Like that, that's how he thought. Uh, and, uh, you know, I looked it up and I remembered that 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 he'd said this, that that you wanted to be traded somewhere warm. And he said, it's not Club Med. I remember he famously said that. Uh, what was your did you have a relationship at all with Rick Pitino? Did you have the sense that he just wanted to get rid of you? Uh, OK, so I said this story a million times. I'm going to oh, say okay. it <laughs> one time. Um, you know, when Rick Pitino came to to Boston, I was 30 years old. So uh, me asking for club med, that's not really uh, what happened. He wanted to uh, get rid of everybody, from the from the secretaries, from the you know uh, physiotherapist to the from you know everybody who ever stepped his foot in the Celtic organization, he wanted to get rid of them. And this is legitimate. It's legit. You are the big boss and you have a right to do whatever you want to do, whatever the owner let you do. But also, I feel that I'm 30 years old. I, I pay my dues. I'm one of the better players in the team. And I just wanted, you know, fair and square relationship. So I asked him for, for lunch. We went for lunch in a force that doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately. And uh, I just asked you one question. What do you want to do with me? I just want you, I just want to know what you want to do with me. You know, I have a family, I have uh, plans here. And uh, I just, I heard that you want to get rid of me. And he said me with these words, no, 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 no. This is not true. This is not true. I, I want to build team around you. Uh, I love player who can be 20 and 10. We have like two first round draft picks. We're going to surround you with some talent. Uh, you know, um, uh, we had Anton Walker uh, and uh, I want to build team around you guys. And uh, that's what that, that those were his words. And then I heard a couple of days later, my agent woke me up at eight in the morning and said, listen, you are uh, traded to Philadelphia. So uh and also uh, to be to be fair uh when i talked to him i told him 
if if you want to trade me i would want to go and and and, and fight for uh, for something I, I, I don't want to be traded in a team that is not fighting for anything i want a team that that has a chance i think i think that uh, uh, as a 30 year old guy I, and, and one of the better players in the team i think i have um, a right to to ask for some you know some uh, mercy to be to be you know uh, traded in a good team but he said no 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 he said that zillion times and a few days later you know he was uh, he he traded me to Philly, and uh, that's where I realized that uh, he's not really a trustful person, and uh, all these club med uh, situations that that he invented. Uh, you know, I never, I never, I never said I want to go in. Uh, you know, sunny, sunny day. I want to fight for a championship. I don't want a sunny day. You wind up with with Panathiakos, and 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 that worked out well because you turn you helped turn them into what was what wound up being a European powerhouse. But did you would you have wanted to stay in the NBA? Did you want to finish your career in the NBA? No, 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 no. Um, I wanted to come back. There there were a couple of reasons. Uh, all my life I was winning. You know, I was winning titles. I was winning with the national team. I was I was winning with the. Um, my team, Yugoplastica, and uh, with the Rome, I was fighting for something. And uh, in Boston, I was fighting to get the last spot in the playoffs. And that's that's okay, but uh, in certain moments, I see my teammates after we lose a game, they go into the bus and they are smiling and joking and uh, playing cards and we lost the game and um, that I didn't approve and then also after the game I remember uh, exactly uh, when that struck me uh, we were playing Washington and Washington was also another bad team back then and um, we lost at home by 20 points and uh, you know, for snowing and you know winter, and I go out um, with my car, and there was a bunch of fans waiting outside, and, and say like, "Good game, good game, good, good game," uh, and they wanted to, you know, autographs. And I tell myself, "Good game in Europe. If you lose by twenty against a bad team at home, they they beat you up. They throw eggs on." <laughs> They throw yogurts on you and stuff like that. And here they tell you good games. So that was, you know, a different mentality that mentality I, I used to be. And uh, when uh, when Panathinaikos uh, situation came up, uh, I really wanted to go there because you know, Greeks are crazy fans. I knew that <clears throat> from playing them against them before and uh, I just, uh, you know, I was in, I was stuck in Boston because, uh, you know, after uh, that, that um, physical in Philly, that, that, that I failed, and I failed it only because I needed just a little bit more time. I would be, I would have been ready for, uh, for the, for the season and everything, but they didn't want to, 
to gamble and um, I just you know had the surgery I was I was already you know it was June I was already you know on, on, on like 80% and uh, I had like July and August and September to work out so I would have been uh, ready but they they had a feeling that uh, I may not be so um, after that I was stuck with the Celtics because after you fail the physical nobody wants you anymore mm -hmm. and want to be with the Pitino so I I you know choose to to go to Europe we negotiate you know the deal uh, that that uh, helped me and them they were saved of some you know salary cap money and I was I was able to go in, in Europe and play Europe keeping on Europe for a moment the Celtics, and I want to bring this to more now, mm -hmm. but we've got, we're just coming off the back of the Eurobasket tournament, which was extremely fun. I think we saw a lot of high-level basketball and put European basketball on display. But one of the issues was Danilo Gallinari, who was recently acquired by the Celtics, suffers an ACL injury. As a player that's been in the NBA and represented his country at tournaments like these, how much do you think that playing for playing in these tournaments is adding pressure onto European players' bodies that they perhaps become more susceptible to injury? You know, I have to say that uh, that playing uh, simultaneously uh, for the national team and for uh, for for NBA team is definitely uh, shortened my career. But you know, playing for national team is uh, is uh, is an honor. is uh, is something that that you do for no money, for uh, for for the pride, and you represent your country, and that's that's uh, that's enough. You know, these things happen. But if you see how many players played and how many players get injured, it's one of uh, what hundred. So percentage is really. Low. If you look at the history of you know injuries, yes, things happen. But what guarantees you that he was working? That if he worked out, you know, one one against one uh, to get to be ready for the season, he wouldn't be injured in the same way. So I wouldn't I wouldn't put that as a, as a you know breaking point. You know, playing for a national team is a, is honor. Were you able to watch the Celtics much last season? Did you see them in the playoffs and all that? Of course, of course. What did, what did, what did you make of them? And 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 uh, did you think they were going to wind up winning it? How did you feel about uh, uh, the run that they had? You know, when they started, uh, I knew that every time with a new coach, you you need some time. I mean, with the guys they have, with Jalen Brown and Jason Adam and Marcus Smart, they really have a good team. Uh, then when I didn't expect them to, to to click so quickly after after the beginning of the season, but um, they did. They they made the great playoffs, and then in the finals, you know, it was you know experience and uh, youth. And I I thought this time you know uh, youth will prevail, but definitely you know. Um, experience uh, was too much, and uh, you know, well, well, well deserved. Are you a fan of modern NBA basketball? So we've gone from the 
the grind the grit and grind era of like the eighties and nineties into this pace and space era. Do you like it or do you prefer how it was when you played? I prefer the way the way uh, I play the the game, but that may be you know my opinion, and I probably the 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 fans would love today's game, but I I feel like today's game um, is much easier to play. Um, it's, it's not as physical as it was, and it's much easier to score. And I think. Offensive guys are much more protected than they were back then. You remember what happened to Jordan when he came to the paint against the Knicks and uh, uh, you know Detroit and stuff like that. What happened? And I, I remember what happened to me in the paint uh, with the, with the Mason, with Oakley, with the, all those guys. It was really, really hard. Uh, but, you know, NBA definitely developed business uh, uh, at, at an un, uh, unbelievable level and uh, protecting players. And uh, um, But, you know, watching the game, it feels like they are playing all-star game all season long until, until the playoffs. Then, then in the playoffs, it's a little bit different. But still, I think that uh, the teams from back then and teams from today, I think teams from today would have no chance. Uh, you know, even if, even if it is, you know, unfair to compare the generations and uh, never going to be seen. But I think uh, the teams back then were much, much more competitive and better. Couple more for you. Uh, appreciate your time here, Dino. But um, Jason Tatum, um, where do you see him? Sort of uh, in terms of how he ranks in the league and how good can he be uh, going down in the future? He's definitely a guy who has Kobe Bryant potential. You know, uh, how much is he going to develop depends only on him because uh, he has to do the work. Uh, he has to spend the summers working out instead of uh, you know enjoying his success and i think that you know the sky is the limit interesting any big men that you like at the moment that you like to watch where you're like oh Jokic is playing i want to watch this game or he i mean Jokic and Doncic are two unbelievable guys i mean they are they had talent that you are, you know, born with. That's not something that you can learn. That's definitely not something you can learn. And somebody is going to teach you something you have, you know, in your in your blood when you are born. And uh, it's such a joy watching them. But out of out of uh, like Embiid is a guy who I, I enjoy watching. He he is one of the very few guys who plays with a. Uh, a good, you know, back to the basket, you know, moves, and uh, uh, I think that's the kind of a lost art. Last thing I have for you, you know, is uh, you know, it's obviously been a couple of crazy weeks for the Celtics here uh, with 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 the coaching situation. I just wonder, have you ever experienced anything like that where you had as a sudden coaching change, and 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 how do you think a team can respond to that? Uh, you know, as players, what would you say? What what advice would you give the players trying to deal with something like that? Oh, it's just uh, going to take some time. Um, you know, the, the guy. Uh, who is in charge now? He's assistant coach, and so they know him. 
uh, he was part of the system before, so he will probably not change much because, you know, you play the finals, you don't have to change much. You, you just have to improve, you know, individually. And uh, I think uh, that team has a lot of potential. Uh, you know, just, uh, you know, concentrate and work out. And, you know, when the season starts, you have to be, you know, concentrating on what you have to do. And uh, your life, your private life has to be on hold for, for, for some time. So, Dino, I'm, I'm fresh out of questions. Are you sure? That's it. That's it for me. I, I did hear that you have a, a tattoo of a dolphin in a church. Is that true? Dolphin in a church, yes. But uh, <laughs> that, that's uh, something that is uh, the church is uh, is the the main main uh, like uh, cathedral in my city, and that's how uh, my city is known. And uh, the the guy that that is named after is like a protector of the city of Split. So it's called Saint Saint Duye, and that's that's uh, something that I did. And I'm born on the sea. Dolphin is um, you know the friendly animal uh, with a you know with a smile uh, with a smile on his face all the time. And I remember when I did it uh, thirty years, a long time ago. I don't want to even say how long time ago. <laughs> that was the main point that you have to make me the smiling dolphin. I don't want a dolphin that's angry or do dolphin that have <laughs> great face. I want dolphin that's laughing and uh, that's a beautiful animal. Yeah. Okay, Dina. I want to say thank you for taking the time. I mean, we've kept you for almost an hour. You've gave us some awesome stories all the way from starting off young, playing around Europe, heading over to. Boston, making those friendships, playing against some ridiculous talent, and then obviously moving back over to Europe to dominate in Greece. So thank you very much for taking the time to join us. It's been a pleasure. No problem, guys. Anytime. Take care. So everybody, if you've enjoyed this show, please make sure you hit that follow button if you're if you're on an Apple or Spotify device, or if you're using that app. If you're using any other app, hit that subscribe button, especially if you're on YouTube. Feel free to message any of us on social media or share any of the words that you've heard here that you enjoyed. Sean, thank you very much for coming along, and obviously for giving the listeners some insider information that we may not have heard anywhere else. Thanks, Adam. <laughs>